Father, you are the reason that we exist. And we've been called here by your providential grace and care and love to be a billboard for your glory. We pray here today, Father, that by your spirit that you would avail our eyes to see, to hear, and to understand that what it is that the Lord is saying unto his people, the church, here today. Come upon me now, your servant. Bless my tongue, my heart, my mind, my feet, my eyes, my whole body. That I may be a vessel used for your glory. And you would, through the foolishness of preaching, that you would open the eyes of the blind and give sight, bring understanding. And Lord, I pray here today that as we open up this word, Lord, that you would help us to see um, the sobering reality where everything is headed, how it all fits into your great plan of redemption, why you would even love us, why you would even come to save us. I pray, Father, that you would help us to, to know that, that this is not a game, a church game, but this life that you have given to each of us, it is one that you will call into account. Come Holy Spirit now. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please stand to your feet as we read the word of God. We're now in Romans chapter 14. My plan is to finish off the Roman series before we get to um, new building. And so I might pick it up, speed it up, but um, we're going to get there. But here we are, Romans 14, 14, CSB. Welcome anyone who is weak in faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. One person believes he may eat anything, while one who is weak eats only vegetables. One who eats must not look down on one who does not eat, and one who does not eat must not judge one who does because God has accepted him. Who are you to judge another's household servant? Before his own Lord, he stands or falls, and he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. One person judges one day to be more important than the, another day. Someone else judges every day to be the same. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Whoever observes the day observes it for the honor of the Lord. Whoever eats, eats for the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. And whoever does not eat, it is for the Lord that he does not eat it, and he gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for himself, and no one dies for himself. 
If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and returned to life for this, that he might be Lord over both the dead and the living. But you, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. The grass withers and the flower fades. You may be seated in the presence of God. As I get older and grow in my understanding of the word of God, I have become aware that the most important thing that I can do as a Christian is to run the race that God has set before us, before me, and before us all. And I personally do that by always being prayerfully about my assignment. Why do I exist? Why did God make me? My purpose, my calling in everything. As I get older, it's becoming more and more. I have a lot of time for a lot of fluff, a lot of games. I'm focused on, oh God, you brought me here. You created me. You kept me alive through a lot of crazy stuff. And so I'm always praying about where should I be? I'm in the right place, doing the right thing, saying the right thing. Why is that? Because I am always mindful of the day. The day, according to Romans 2.16, which is my first keynote slide, that Paul starts out early on in the gospel. He says, on that day, see, I highlight, what day is Paul referring to? On that day, when, according to my gospel, Paul says, According to my gospel, Paul says, God would judge, judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. That's an important day. It's a day that if you were growing in the Bible, you should become more and more aware of. A day where each of us, I want to get ahead of myself. So Paul starts out early on. This is in chapter two of the gospel to the Romans, that each human being will come. That's an important day. We should all be focusing on that day. Not your birthday. That's an important day. Put the dollar bills on you, but that day. <laughs> That's an important day. <laughs> I wish somebody would have told me about that day when I was 18 or 15. It would have saved me a lot of time. 
That's an important day. This day will be an important factor for us all to reflect and meditate upon as we walk in unity, granting liberty to each other and embracing diversity. It's important to understand that day. The church in Rome was made up of all kinds of people who had come from various backgrounds. The church in Rome was a cosmopolitan church, a church that reflected many cultures, people coming from various backgrounds. And God, through the preaching of the gospel that started in Jerusalem, was saving people from every tongue in every tribe, in every nation, in people group. And these people bring all kinds of different perspectives about everything. Different perspectives on food, clothing, religious customs, and etc. And the church at Rome had Jews and Gentiles, and they were called by God to walk in love which we spoke about over the last few weeks, what Paul says, to walk in love with each other, to live in unity with each other, and grant liberty towards each other, and embrace diversity of customs with each other, and etc. But in order to do that, walk in love, walk in unity, Apostle Paul says to the church here in our text today, chapter 14, he starts out by saying, welcome. You can put the text back up, Jeremiah, I mean, Job, Romans 14. Welcome, he says. The Greek word welcome there is pros lambano. It means to accept the presence of a person with friendliness, to welcome them, to receive them, to accept them to have them as a guest. Paul says to, to welcome anyone, people who's weak. There's an impotent in their faith. They may be immature about some issues and some matters. We're gonna get into that. But Paul says to the church in Rome, to welcome anyone who is weak in faith. And then he says, but don't argue about disputed matters. Opinions, quarreling over opinions about the non-essentials. I'm not going to dig in this now. I'm going to come back to it. What do we mean when we talk about the non-essentials? We're not talking about whether we believe that um, LBGT lifestyle is contrary to the word of God. That's not a non-essential. That's, that's, that's an essential. We all have to agree on that. But we're going to explain what we mean by disputed matters. Paul says, don't waste your time arguing about these things and quarreling about them. This is an important chapter because it hits where we live as believers. Then and now. It's in here today. Um, this is always an important Thing within the church because we can easily get caught up in disputing on matters of politics. 
mean, how much time did the church in the last three years dispute over that subject matter alone? Economics, education, about oppressed people groups, and the list is endless. Which group is sinning the most or have sinned the most? We could just go on for years writing books and volumes over those issues. Apostle Paul addressed this subject on how Christians should treat each other more than any other issue in the book of Romans. Let me say it again. Paul addressed this subject of how we as Christians should treat each other more than any other issue in the book of Romans. Why is Paul spending almost a chapter and a half just on how we as Christians should treat each other? Because Apostle Paul knows it's an important issue to God because God wants his people. Let me say it slowly and quietly. Please hear me. God wants his people to walk in unity among each other. It's all throughout the New Testament where we grant liberty to each other in our diversity. So what's the background here in Rome that Paul is writing to the church in Rome? What's going on? Well, the text says, verse two, one person believes he may eat anything. That's where I'm at. <laughs> Chinese, Japanese, you put meat in there and some bacon, I'm good to go. You know, I saw some friend of mine on Instagram, you know, you just have to think about this. And she had some live crabs and she took one out, put it on the floor and that thing was just walking around. But she was trying to put it in a pot of hot boiling water. And I said, man, people eat that. But, you know, but if you probably if you're a vegetarian, which is probably going to get into, you probably would have freaked out. Why are they eating that? I mean, if you actually look at a crab, just 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 onion and mess up your fish thing, if you like crab. But it's nothing but a big spider. <laughs> so yeah, I'm fine. So I ain't gonna eat no crab now, but let me get into it. One person believes he can eat anything, while one who is weak eats only vegetables. Vegetarian. So if you're vegetarian in the room today, you're good with us if you don't eat meat. Please keep eating your veggies. <laughs> but this is what's going on. Well, the people who were probably eating the veggies were probably Jewish people who had come out of the Mosaic understanding and had the Mosaic laws, what they could eat, what they could not. They definitely would eat no crab. They definitely would eat no pork. They couldn't. They could, a Jew probably couldn't stand being in the South. Jim and Nick's and all that, man, they would be blowing those places up. That would not be going good. And so Paul is saying, you know, but these people are all in the church. You got Jews over here looking at a guy over there with a with a big old plate of uh, beef. I mean, Noah's mom cooks beef ribs. I haven't gotten one yet, but I'm putting it on the tape so I can get one. I've heard that she cooks the best beef ribs in the Southeast. <laughs> so, no, I want my ribs. <laughs> and, 
and, and Paul is saying, and they're disputing about this thing, you know, should we eat them? And the one who's uh, the, the, the person who's eating veggies, Paul says, you know, they have a weak in their faith. And so he says in verse three, one who eats must not look down on the one who does not eat. He's already started out by saying, be friendly towards each other. Don't break fellowship over these non-essentials. And the one who does not eat must not judge because they're judging each other. Well, you're not really holy because you're eating crap. You're eating bottom fish dwellers at the bottom of the lakes. You're eating catfish. You're, you're, not, that, you're not living for Jesus. So they're passing judgment on each other. So Paul says, and the one who does not eat must not judge one who does. Because he says, God has accepted him. He's accepted us, them, all of us. People had come out of different cultures. They hadn't grown up with a Jewish mindset. So they were eating all kinds of stuff. And it's all in the church. Paul says, accept him. Verse four. Who are you to judge another household servant? Before his own Lord, he stands or falls and he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. They're passing judgment on each other. One person judges one day. Now they get into, are we doing church on the right day? How many times you still see that argument? Well, it should be on Saturday. It should be, you know, no, some say Sunday. And so Paul gets into that. Well, you know, you, you have Jewish mindset. Well, I mean, are we breaking the Sabbath? Because we're not having church on Saturday morning. Are we keeping that, that day the right day? I mean, me and Sandra was a part of a church like that where the pastor was preaching church on Sunday. And then he, he got some epiphany. Man, we're not keeping the Sabbath. And he just, you know, we, wasn't, we didn't have no plurality leadership. He just made a decision like a bishop. <laughs> you know, we had to be there on Saturday, but it got me out of there because I said, well, peace out. I'm not feeling that. So here I am today. <laughs> but here's Paul is saying one person judges one day to be more important. Like, you know, around here, when it's your birthday, people, that's a really important day for people. Like, they don't call in to work, they don't show up, they don't cook, they don't clean, they don't even drive their own car. <laughs> it's a special day for them. <laughs> Even though it comes every year, 364 days a year. <laughs> so leave their days alone. It's special to them. That's a holy day for them. But someone else judges every day to be the same. Let each one be fully convinced, Paul says, in his own mind. If your conscience tells you that eating meat is sinful, that you should not eat meat. That's what Paul is saying. If you're convinced in your own mind that eating meat, eating crab, eating lobster, going to Red Lobster and all of that is committing high treason against God, I'm being serious, then you, the word of God says, for you, you should not do it. If the word of God, you believe to eat meat, you should eat meat or whatever it is. Paul says, if you're convinced in your own mind, he says, then do it. Obey your conscience in that matter. In verse six, he says, whoever observes the day 
observes it for the honor of the Lord. And whoever eats, eats for the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. And whoever does not eat, it is for the Lord that he does not eat it. And he gives thanks to God. So what you see here, uh, some Jewish vegetarians, got Gentiles who are eating meat, and there's conflict in matters of what Paul says, disputed matters or, or opinions, non-essentials. In this whole chapter here, chapter 14, Paul categorizes two kinds of Christians, one who's weak in faith and those who are strong and mature and growing in their faith. You become a mature where you're able to um, you can sit down with a brother or sister who may be weak in matters of, of opinions and, and can go their way and not blow the church up because you understand where they're at. That's when you just become a stronger Christian saint. But in my early years, saints, as a Christian, I was very immature about these issues. I was rigid. I was legalistic believer. Believe it or not, man, I was bad. And during this time, I did very little one-on-one -on -one discipleship. That's important. I put that in here because I want you to hear that. While I was legalistic about issues, I did very little one-on-one -on -one discipleship. And spent a lot of time quarreling over insignificant things and passing judgment on people. Like one church was part of, you know, some of the Church of God in Christ type churches, apostolic um, they don't believe women should wear pants. <laughs> now, I never got there. <laughs> but I remember, man, you, <laughs> you never saw a woman in pants, stuff like that. The church my mom grew up in, the drums and the keyboard would have ran her out of here. She just, that was sinful, especially a drum and a bass. You, you really conjuring up Lucifer now, as I call it down south in Sardis, old Slewfoot. <laughs> um, and couldn't get her out of that. She's just like, why are they playing the drums? Don't they know? <laughs> I don't know where she got it from, but it was, it was a deal breaker for her. And so, but had a lot of that in me. And even back then, we didn't even have social media. And we still, as Christians, managed to find ways to dispute over non-essentials. Well, let me name what I mean by non-essentials. Now, I'm talking about the deity of Christ. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, co-equal with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Born of a Virgin Mary, all the stuff that Dion quoted in the Apostles' Creed. That's, can't disagree on that. But what are the non-essentials? Here we are. And I remember even now, you know, I see people doing, here I got it. First one I got, smoking cigarettes. I know lots of pastors who do vape, whatever that is. <laughs> Fake smoke. <laughs> what does the word of God say about that? That person on their way to hell because he over there at a hookah lounge. That's a non-essential. And I can imagine we was in Grand Rapids. You remember the church we was part of and everyone would see that they would come out doing the had three servers and you come out and you see a whole bunch of Christians out there just smoking cigarettes. 
And I would drive by. I mean, what kind of a real Christian would not smoke? See, I know that's probably in the room. That's just one. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to come down your lane. I'm going to find you. <laughs> Drinking. Oh, my goodness. Boy, when I was in my carriage many days, some of you Presbyterians, man, I had you in hell. No, I, I didn't just have you in hell. I had you in the abyss. You were at the bottom of hell. I was messed up, man. I mean, you go into mine. I see a Christian with some wine, that cheap wine, too. I was like, oh, my God, can't be a Christian. Now I'm a Presbyterian. I drink wine all the time. I'm like, well, what happened? <laughs> if you can't win, you got to fit in. <laughs> win in Rome, be like the Romans. <laughs> Was in Vegas, stays in Vegas. <laughs> I'm on the Presbyterian, so hey, they drink, I drink. <laughs> but 25 years ago, I was in hell. <laughs> I remember we used to have these big conferences at the charismatic church in a nice hotel. And we all almost came out the world. We all got our suits on and we screamed and hollering, shouting, why need to buy him and got all our money? He's like, now what do we do? We all kind of walking around the hotel looking at the park. Like, <laughs> we all really want to drink the but we don't know what to do. Well, we know if we go over there, we're looking. Well, the devil in you, man, start looking at that wine. <laughs> and, you know, it was, we, we all wanted to do it, but. Man, we know we can't drink. We're, we we charismatics. So dancing, split churches. Tell you, man, some of us was getting it in at the wedding. I like it. Some folks can't handle that. That's sinful. Say I don't know what you're gonna do, man. But I'm just telling you, it's out there. Secular music. Should you ever listen to? Now, I've been, I've been in all over the place on this one. You know, so why I say people don't listen to who you listen to. I mean, you all figure it out. So I don't tell people not what kind of music to listen to. I should say, you know, that's why I started to think about what, what I'm, I'm doing my focusing upon. But I remember when I first came in, you know, when nobody listened to Christian secular music. So love songs. So I'm just listening to that. And, and Christian music back then was horrible. I mean, it was just like, it was just, it wasn't him, it was just bad. I mean, I'm just listening to that stuff all the time. This is before Christian rap even came out. Man, Christian rap saved me. At least I can get back in it. So, because I didn't know what to do. Because I, I was a music guy, I loved music. Movies, going to the movies, playing cards. You Republican or Democrat? Lifting hands in church and playing, like I said, all kinds of instruments, all of that. Paul said those are disputed matters, non-essentials. Don't break unity and fellowship over things like that. But here it is, though Paul wrote this some 2,000 years ago. It is sad to see how Christians are treating one another over non-essential matters even today. Dividing the body over past sins of individuals who have been dead for centuries and generations. Uh, I was watching um, Keeping Up with David Platt Church in D.C. was a big church when he got there. Now churches in the, uh, it's all over YouTube, splitting all kinds of having a meeting 
and over social justice, woke stuff, racial stuff. It's just, and, 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 and I know God must be like, and it's, it breaks God's heart. So transitioning here, this is important what I'm about to say next, because um, this is important. Because Paul wrote this to the church. Like I said, this is the longest part of the Roman in his chapter in, the, in, the, in his Roman treatise. This part on how we treat each other was the longest part of the subject matter that Paul dealt with was over this issue. How we treat each other. Let me say it again. How we treat each other. And so I have here walking in unity and granting liberty towards other Christians in the church and embracing diversity is the heart of God. God wants us to walk in unity. Granting liberty. You drink wine. I may not drink wine. You invite me over. We should not break fellowship over the fact that you drink wine. I don't. Or I drink wine and you do. And you don't. Vice versa. Paul said those are non-essentials. But yet, Republican, Democrat, it's happening all over. So how do we maintain walking in unity? And so there are three things I want to say. There are three things you and I must keep at the forefront of our mind as we pursue unity, granting liberty to each other, and embracing diversity. Because all of us, and when I mean by diversity, all of us come from, some of us come from religious backgrounds. So we have our taste in music, we like hymns, we, don't, we just don't know, you know, everlasting God, it's like, a, you know, we just, it's just not how we grew up. We grew up just, you know, music really slow. Nobody really said, a, it was really quiet. I mean, you walked in, it was real somber. Nothing wrong with that. It's just we all bring what we bring. Some of us are heavy hip hop. We want more bass. <laughs> Miami bass. <laughs> Some of us want Hezekiah Walker, Aretha Franklin. <laughs> It's all over the place. It, I just like, I just want to do God's will. That's where I've gotten to. But there are three things that we must keep at the forefront of our mind as we pursue unity, grant liberty, and embrace diversity among each other. Here they are. First one. As children of God, we are not our own, and we do not live for ourselves. Put the verse back up. Okay, here we go. It says in verse four, 5 and 4, let's start in verse 4. Who are you to judge another's household servant? Before his own, he stands or falls, and he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. One person judges one day to be more important than another day. Someone else judges every day to be the same. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Whoever observes the day observes it for the honor of the Lord. Whoever eats, eats for the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. 
And whoever does not eat, it is for the Lord that he does not eat. He gives thanks to God. Verse seven, six. And here we go. And for none of us lives for himself, Paul says. We are not our own. None of us lives for himself and no one dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord, Paul says. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Verse nine, Christ died and returned to life for this, that he might be the Lord over both the dead and the living. Go to the second slide, Jeremiah. Here you go. My second keynote slide. We are not our own. God has come to get us out of Egypt. We were dead in our sins. God came by the mighty power of the gospel of grace to get us out of Egypt, to get us out of the world, to save us, to give us a new heart and a new mind. And Paul explains this. We died. We live for Christ. We are not our own. You are not yourself. You've, why? Paul says, don't you know that your body, what your, your body, your physical body, that it is the temple of the Holy Spirit. If the Spirit of God is in you, then you are God's sons. You are God's children. That's why we're calling it God's message to the children of God. If the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, rests in you, then you are a child of the Most High God. And Paul says, if the Holy Spirit is in you, the temple whom you have from God, you are not your own. You're not yourself. Why? For you were bought. God bought you back from the devil. He purchased you with his own blood. God had to give up himself in order to get you and I back to himself. You were bought at a price. And so Paul says, with that being said, from here on out, all what you do, you do to glorify God with that body that you now have for a certain amount of time. It's the first thing you need to understand that you are not your own. You have been bought. That's what Romans 12 starts. Now, in view of God's mercies, you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You've been purchased. Now, let that sink in. You're not your own, Paul says. Second thing. You can go back to the, um, the Romans verse 14. This is now it's going to get heavy. It's going to get heavy. I want this to be heavy. I want you to I want this message here to be one that you never forget. Here it is. Go to verse. Um, nine and 10 and 12, all the way to nine, 10 and 12. OK. Verse 10. There we go. Right there. Here it is. Second thing you must keep in view in order to walk in unity, to grant liberty and embrace um, diversity. Here it is. This is heavy. Paul says in this text, 
that we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. All for we we all stand before the judgment. It's interesting he uses the judgment seat of God here because he's talking about us passing judgment on other people. But Paul says there's coming an ultimate judgment, a perfect judgment, a perfect justice, a God who can see your thoughts, your heart, and all that you thought, all that you ever did, all the secret stuff, everything you've done. God says, I can see everything. PA only see what we all allow him to see. But that day, Paul says, it's coming. Remember now, he's talking about people passing judgment on other people because they're doing things they may not agree with and they're non-essentials. But Paul says, listen, saints, in order for you to walk in unity, God is serious about unity. I'm going to, everyone's going to appear before me. All, that's not, and that's including every living soul. Before the judgment seat of God, Paul says, how often do you think about that when you get up in the morning? That one day, I'm going to have to go before God. You know what? The average Christian don't even think about it. You would say, well, Pastor, I thought Jesus took on the judgment for me. He did. I'm going to get to that. Because Paul's trying to reiterate something. First, he just wants the Romans to know, hey, God wants unity. Don't be disputing about these matters. Welcome each other. Bring glory to his name. All will come before him. So that's why I said, you should, I should probably say, man, God, what do you want me to do? You at least want to start there, God. <laughs> Let me not figure out what I want to do. Let me at least start praying. If you made me, and you're the manufacturer, you created me. It's like the Ford truck. If you have a Ford truck, the Ford truck can say, hey, I didn't make myself. So if you're going to fix me, take me back to the Ford dealership. <laughs> take me back to the manufacturer so he can figure out, because he's the one that made me. God said, you should at least ask me, what did I have in mind when I created you? What church I want you to go to, where I want you to be, what I want you to be doing. Those types of things should be upon a Christian mind every single day. Not my will, God, what you want me to do. Why is that important? It's telling you. Which leads me to my third point, and then I'm going to close. Paul says, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me. <laughs> Everyone's going to bow. Bill Gates going to bow. I can see all the rich folks that they thought they could buy God. Oprah Winfrey, all of them. Well, I ain't quite believing you. Bow. <laughs> They're going to be trying to talk. How much money do you need? It's my money. <laughs> bow. <laughs> well, I'm old. Bow. <laughs> Hitler, bow. <laughs> it's not no joke. Bow. No, you, I'm, you standing. I'm real. You're looking at me. This is Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecuted. This is not no joke. Bow. I can see Jesus. I'm not laughing. Bow. Every king, every queen. Bow. 
the one that gave us breath, bow. I'm not laughing. You're going to bow before me. Then he says this. You're going to bow. And every time we give praise to God. That's what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. But then he says, this is my third one. And each will give an account of himself. Second point, they will stand before the perfect judge. Paul is talking about judging each other. That's why, listen to me. Be very careful what you post on social media if it's divided or bringing God's people together. Jesus made it very clear. Every idle word that we've spoken, we're going to give an account for, even in what you post on social media. So you want to make sure if you're posting something about God's people, the church, you want to make sure it lines up. You, if you're going to give an account for it, you want to make sure you're in good standing with Jesus. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Keep posting. Just make sure it lines up because here's why. So then each of us, man, this stuff scares me, will give an account of himself to God. Third slide. That's just important. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, for we must all appear for the judgment seat of Christ. That each may, see, individually. We know every time you see the judgment scene, it's not group judgment. It's you by yourself. Your mother won't be there. Your brothers and sisters. You individually. For each may be repaid for what he has done in the body. That's why it's important what you're doing with your body. God says he's, he's not really, he's not trying to hide it. This is God's will. Did you be sanctified? Do it God's way. God, you want me to be married? You want me to get, you want me to do this? You, you don't, you can, God, God will be very clear in speaking to you what he wants you to do. Can God say, Let's say you don't do it. He said, I'm a Christian. God said, you're going to be repaid for what he has done. Not when you get to heaven, but what you've done in the body, whether good or evil, because some of the things we're doing with our bodies, they are evil. They're not good. That's what I'm saying. It's sobering. What you say in your mouth about people behind their back, <laughs> that's, that's not good. So God said, stop it. Why is this so important? All right, next slide. I've quoted this here before. Paul says, we will all come before God and give an account of ourselves. But Revelation 20 says, speaking of the same scene, then I saw a great and white throne and the one seated on it is King Jesus. Earth and heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them to hide. Hiding days are over. Can't nobody hide. I also saw the dead, 
the great and the small, rich and poor, standing before the throne. And the books were open. The books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life for the Christians. God got a book for the damn. He got a book for those of the life. Which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by what was written in the books. Man, that is sobering. Let that sink in. So I always thought God said, man, this unity thing's gotta be hard. It's not that hard when you just read the Bible of what it's saying. The antidote to getting unity in the church, God says, you know, I'm keeping a record. If you're sowing division, that's what he is, Diablos, that means to divide, Satan, who's against. I'm going to hold people who act like him, think like him, and brought division among my people. Jesus gives us his heart in John 17. I want my people to be one so that the world may know that I am who I am. He didn't miss words. His last words before he goes to the cross, he would think people would take that very seriously. This is why I started off my sermon and I'm coming to a close. Back to this scene. That's why I say for me, I'm not focusing on anything but the kingdom of God. God has numbered our days. He's numbered our days. He's given us all a race to run, a calling to pursue. Some of us need to start to think God and seriously start asking God, God, what do you want me to do? That prayer changes everything about your Christian walk. Because just the fact that you start to say, God, you have something for me to do. They start to give him true lordship over your life. What you do with your time. What this thing is all about. Jesus parting words to his disciples. Go make disciples. Testify about me. You know that the average Christian never testify and t make disciples of people? When wonder how far we've gotten away. We've never led anybody to the Lord. Video games, sporting events, and life is ticking away. What do you think God's going to be looking for? Well, I, got, I had a lot of money saved up in the bank. Huh? <laughs> My 401k was really big. Huh? <laughs> we don't think about this scene. And people all around us are dying, going to hell. God says, I didn't ask you to open no one's eyes. I asked you to testify who I am.
he writes in the book what we do with our time when no one else is looking. We all have the same 24 hours. No one gets an extra. Anyone got 35 hours in a week, in a day? No, we all got the same 24. It's messages like this that changed me. Got me said, I gotta stop playing Christian games. And a lot of folks are playing Christian games and they don't recognize that this is coming. This is all over the Bible. Matthew 25, it's all over the scriptures. It's not like Jesus is trying to hide it. Why the average Christian has not discipled anyone? Oh, they get a pass. I don't find it in the scriptures. God says, you've been bought with a price. You glorify, you know how you glorify God? You live for him. You say and do what he says for us to do. He told Christians to go make disciples. Get out, speak, talk, share, faith, walk, love people. God's given us a $1.6 million building. And I end here not to sit half empty. Why would God give us that kind of money for a building and only be half full? This means that the Spirit of God is talking to us. It says for us, because we're going to the book of Acts next. When we get done with the Roman series, we got a few little pit stops we got to make. And to show how the church is to be the church. There are folks dying in Birmingham every day. They need to hear your voice. Your voice, your story, come to your house. You disciple, you open up the word and let God be glorified. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for sobering truth like this. Sobering for me. Because you warn that those who desire to be teachers will give a stricter judgment. Um, I'm so um, understanding of that. I'm nervous all the time because that's a riveting, sober reminder for me that I must be very careful in what I say, how I say it. And, um, and I want to make sure, Lord, that I'm saying and doing exactly what you want me to say. Lord, you are real. And you did buy us with a precious price by giving up yourself so that we could be made righteous with the Father. And therefore, we are not our own. We don't live for ourselves. We don't even die for ourselves. Everything we do, we do it to the glory of you. And Father, we are a diverse church. People coming from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of ways of how we understand church, do things. And, and Lord, we really want to walk and grant liberty to each other, to those who may be weak in matters of this and those who may be strong in this. Lord, help us to, be, to, to do this because we're reminded through your word that we are not to pass judgment, ridicule, despise our brothers and sisters who may think differently about things. 
not break fellowship and become hard hearted and give the world another opportunity to mock our savior that he's not who he says he is because he can't bring us together. That his blood and his sacrifice on the cross is not enough to reconcile two human beings together, that we need other additives to add to it other than the power of the gospel who raised Jesus Christ from the grave. Lord, remind us that there's a day where you are going to bring each of us. And I just kept being reminded each of us all individually, not our husband, not our wives, not our children, us individually would have to stand. And so, Father, I pray a sermon like this will sanctify us more. Bring our attention to the matters at hand, the kingdom of God. That we would not waste time, as Paul says last week from the text. To, to be awake, not be asleep, lethargic, complacent. While life is passing by, Paul calls us to to redeem the time, knowing that the days are evil and that this world is passing away. Holy Spirit, we can't do this by our own strength. Help us to be a praying church, always praying, always praising your name, always singing songs unto you, always thinking of you, because all that really matters in the end. <laughs> Business come and go. Cars come and go, homes come and go. But the word of our Lord, the word of our God will last forever. And we thank you for it now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand to your feet as we are to be dismissed. Stick your hands out. See this good word. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance toward you this day and grant you his peace. Amen. Amen. Pass the peace of God to your neighbor, to your right and your left. Spur each other on to do good works. Thank you, my brother.